Hello, Texans, and welcome to the show. Oh, we kick off another week of Texans Radio here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight. We've got some fun stuff to talk about with the draft three weeks from Thursday with the players coming back two weeks from today for the offseason conditioning program. And that's big. Why? Because we'll get to talk with them, and you'll be hearing from the players as they get back into the building. Johnny, good evening. Here we go. Draft is coming up soon. Now, you are never done. As a draftologist, you are never done with draft prep. And I would imagine that Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien feel the same. As much as you do, you could probably always do more, right? I think that's the case. I think no matter what, you're always looking for some diamond. Can I tell you this quick story as it pertains to to finding diamonds in the rough? Sure. So I got a buddy of mine who is an agent in town, Mm -hmm. and he's got a pretty good client list. He's got Montez Sweat. Uh, He's also got Travion Williams. That's good. He's also got a couple of guys off the beaten path. Now, I don't want to give you – I don't want to give names, but – there he was at the pro day at this player's pro day the other day and he videoed him running the 40 and so as you're running the 40 if you've ever you know seen a pro day the way some teams will do it they'll they'll have uh they'll set up little bleachers yeah where everybody can kind of sit and try and get as close to the 40 as possible so you've seen it. it yeah so they can time it so they all sit at the well, 40 yard line start accurately just well visually yeah they just visually just could go on the speed of light could change I'd never i don't know but it's close enough so anyways when when they don't have that when it's a little bit of a smaller school they may not have the bleachers so everybody just is at the 40 yard line so they all just kind of line up on the 40 yard line so that's where my friend was my friend was watching he was like right on he was videoing so he's videoing he's going all the way across now he's not timing him so he's videoing he's kind of going across and so he let it hang for a little bit and there were a couple of scouts they hit had to stop watching so he catches him with the video catches it they look at it and i saw both scouts i saw both scouts look at the time and then hide their stopwatch. No. I, I swear to you. As if they have an exclusive on the as time. If they, as, if, as if they had. Oh, I, di- I died Wait, laughing. But this, he this... ran the video back. And he, he, I, he ran it through. And I was like, hey, run that back a little bit. Like right there. He's hiding his stopwatch. He goes, oh, yeah. They were all hiding their stopwatch. They weren't talking about it. Because that was, in their mind, a diamond in the rough. And I was like, that's the most, that's the like funniest Like, no one's going to know. Like, like, nobody's going to find out. If they're there, they notice. This is contrary to, say, the rookie when Dennis Quaid is pitching. Yeah. And the guys are looking at each other's radar guns. Yeah. And they're all talking to each other to verify the speed. Oh, that's at Pro Day. That's one of the, that, that's one of the, the funniest things is when, after everybody runs, after everybody runs, you'll see the scouts huddle up. And they'll all kind of discuss, like, where, you know, like, what the official time should be. Right. So when uh, David Bassett, our buddy over at University of Houston, when he sent out the pro day results, it was kind of an amalgam of an amalgamation of all those times. Okay. So you might have a different time. That guy might have a different time. And so that's yeah, why they kind of talking tens and hundreds of a second. I yeah. Mean, I mean, some guys might have, Hey, I had him at four, five, six. This guy had him at four, six, seven. It's all depending on, you know, where, you see him cross when you hit the all that kind of stuff. So that's where you try to be exact, but you try and find the one that kind of maybe not the median or the average, but you try and find that one number that makes sense. And some scouts they may go to hit the button and not hit the button, and so they they oh dang it I missed it. Hey, what'd you get on him? What'd you get on him? My buddy's my buddy's <laughs> client 
<laughs> they weren't asking each other. It was like, oh, I ain't telling everybody that. I'm not telling them what I got him down. And it's so, not because he's not one of those guys where you're going to get that consensus time. Yeah, absolutely. So from that perspective, you are always you're always looking for diamonds in the rough. But it's so funny when a scout finds a diamond in the rough. I, I just I laughed so hard because I feel that way too. A lot of times when I hear a name of somebody that maybe people aren't talking about and then I go find some film on him and I watch. Like, I'll be in my office, and Adolph knows this. I'll be in my office. I'll be just looking around like, whoa, has anybody seen this? What's up with this guy? Oh, this guy's my this guy's my gem. I found this guy. He's like my guy. You know, you kind of – in your own office. Absolutely. You just kind of latch Drew on. Drew Doherty might steal the name and write a story about him. I know. That's it, what could happen. It, yeah, it's uh, that definitely can happen. So the but, Harris 100, top 100, your top 100 prospects yep. in the draft, how many players have you had drop out and drop in? Uh – I'm trying to think what my last one was. I think my last one was like three or four. But as I continue to to watch games on players that you know I knew of and was uh, cognizant of, I'm finding a few more that I definitely want to get into the fi- my final version. My final version is essentially my way of saying I've had time to watch all these guys now. This is what I've come up with. Because some of these guys I just didn't even have. I'll give you an example. Sean Bunting from Central Michigan was a guy that I've had on my radar screen for a while because he declared he was one of the first ones to declare for the draft. He's six one, one ninety five. He's a corner. He's a legit corner. Really? He's from Central Michigan. Big, from Central Michigan. A Chippewa. I called our buddy Marcotte into my office and I was yeah. I pointed the screen and went I pointed at him and they've got another corner by the name of Xavier Crawford who is a little bit smaller but ran in the four he ran in the four three range. And they were bad like too. I know. And I looked at Marcotte and I said you got these guys. Yeah. What are you doing? When Mark of course- is a video guy we have who uh, went there. And when I was there in the 90s, he was at, Mark Hott was actually born after yeah. I left. So yeah, well, that's really making me feel good. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad. I yeah. turned 47 yesterday. so Happy okay. birthday, Johnny. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're old <laughs> yeah. now. That, that said, I'm watching. I knew about bunting, and I made a note. I definitely wanted to watch him. But I just hadn't had a chance to. And right. then I said, okay, i got to just – I've got to – I'm looking at my list of things. I'm like, I got to get bunting. I got to watch him. I saw that he ran pretty well at the combine. His pro day was solid. I was like, okay, I definitely have got to watch him. And I watched three games of him and went, whoa, oh, man. So he should have been in the 100 all, all along. He's probably going to end up, when I put it, my final version together, he's probably going to be somewhere between 50 and 60. So he's first three rounds. He's a definite player. Maybe second round. He's a definite player. It's just a guy. Maybe he comes here late second round. I would love it. I would love it. In fact, the Draft Network put this out the other day, and I thought this was really interesting. They put out they, – they kind of said option A, option B. And it was re- it was really interesting because I looked at option A, and I wonder what, if for I For each find individual it. team? It was for the Texans, yeah. It, yeah, they've done it. They're doing it for, for each team. So they're talking about the 49ers a little while ago. They said, which 49ers three-round mock draft is better? A, Nick Bosa, Kelvin Harmon, Sean Bunting – B, Nick Bosa, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, Terry McClark. Oh, and so they're trying to show the differences. And so they did one on the Texans, um, and I wish I could find it. And I looked at both of them, I went, man, there are a couple things I love with A, and then one thing I hate with A, but then, oh, boy, I really love B. And A had Andre Dillard and Sean Bunting. And I was like, just for those two players, you'd do it. I would, I would absolutely do it. I would okay. absolutely do it. I just don't think it's going to end up – I don't think it's going to happen. Is Dillard there when they pick? I don't think so. I really don't think well, so. I want him to be. 
But I, I does just, Brian here Kane it is. move up three or four spots? And we talked about that on Friday a bit. I don't know. I don't think so. So here, here's what they proposed. Which Texans three-round mock draft is better? A, offensive tackle Andre Dillard, safety Taylor Rapp, cornerback Sean Bunting, offensive lineman Connor McGovern. Now, McGovern, I would tell you, he's a center. So I, mm-hmm. that, I don't – the McGovern Weird. one and Rapp, I, I, don't, I don't care for that too much. But Dillard and Bunting, I love both of them. B, offensive tackle Jonah Williams, who mm-hmm. may eventually have to move to guard. Tight end – Jay Sternberger. Here we go. Cornerback, Rock Yassin. And offensive tackle, Bobby Evans. And again, it's the same sort of thing. I like Williams. I like Rock Yassin. Now, I think Bobby Evans in the third round is pushing a little well, bit. What, I think what, he's a fourth of the have a safety and a tight end going and the same option. And those aren't huge needs to me at this point. I know. I don't, I don't see it. I think, all right, let's talk need for a moment here in general because one of the things going around, the topics going around right now is the NFL calendar. And every year we get to the offseason and we start thinking and talking about the calendar and how it's laid out. And John Harbaugh is one who wants to see the draft a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And the draft used to be a little bit earlier. Then it moved later. Then it moved earlier than later, but not as early as it was. And now it's in late April again. Yeah. So he wants it at least a couple of weeks earlier, right? Remember the year – now, we always talk about 2011 when the draft was before the free agency period yes. because of the lockout. Right. And how awesome that was for fans because you had this two, three-day frenzy right, right before training camp, and that's when the Texans got shot at the Joseph and Daniel Manning. I loved that from a frenzy media standpoint. Yes. That was great. Right. But I don't think it's the best thing in the world for your football team. And I know this. I, I don't even have to look. I don't have to ask anybody. The union's not going to like it. The no. union would not like free agency after the draft because you draft and then you feel like, well, we already drafted so-and-so. Do right. we really need to go all in on this particular player, right? right. Let's say that t- uh, the Raiders even, they signed Trent Brown, right? The Texans were going after Trent Brown, the Patriots themselves. Let's say you have a left tackle that you got in the draft that you really love. Now you're definitely not parking a lot of money into that no offer doubt. sheet, right? No doubt. So that's going to hurt free agency. It's going to hurt the players that are in the league. So the union's going to say, no, 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 keep free agency before the draft. And I think the team feels that way as well, the organizations, right? I would, I would love to see – I don't mind free agency where it is. I, like, I, I think the legal tampering period, they may just need to get rid of that because – well, then you're going to – you know what? But you know what's going to happen. It's going to get earlier and earlier and earlier. I guess. Right? I, I mean, guess. Isn't illegal or illegal or whatever. Tampering is happening during is the Is illegal tampering? Is that a what's, – what's the uh, word? Not a paradox. Is, um, is it a par- not a paradox, but is it an oxymoron in yeah, some yeah, sense? Yeah, that's right. Legal tampering? Legal tampering. I, I, don't, I don't mind. I don't mind free agency where it is. I, I, I sort of like it. But you're never going to move the draft in front of it. No. That, there's no way. You're right. I think the, the Players Association would not allow I don't think there's any way to kill tampering. I would love for the draft to move up two weeks. Two weeks? All right. I'd love, to, I'd love for free agency to move up a week. But, a week after the combine is fine. Yeah. But let's, keep, let's go early March like we used to. It used to be March 1st, basically. Yeah. What's, the, what's wrong with that? Let's yeah. go. And you I, know what? I know that... Everything's delayed now, the start of the off-season conditioning period, what you can do, the nine weeks. There was a lot of talk about that over the weekend. Bill Belichick wants more time with the players. Obviously, Bill O'Brien wants more time with the players. They all want more time with the players. They're coaches. Of course they want more time with the players. The union's thinking, no, we don't want more time where we're required to be there. 
and you could call some elements of this voluntary, but right. it's also voluntary to pull the ripcord on your parachute when you jump out of the airplane. That's voluntary as well. Uh, it's just it's going to behoove you to be there. Right. So I, I can understand why the coaches want it. I also understand that the players don't want to be there all the time. Although I would say this, no Johnny, a lot of the players now don't make the best use of their time necessarily, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of them would rather be together. But the thing is – do you really want to be together all the time? You know, do you you need a uh, bit of a break? We all get that. Maybe a couple of days a week, but then they got to be in town if they're out of town. I don't know if there's a great way to set this all up. Well, you know what might you know what might what might be pretty helpful, and I think Obese kind of floated this this idea to a degree out there. Maybe one of the things that they could do if they moved the draft up. Let's say they moved the draft up a couple of weeks, right? Because the one thing I think about is, and you and I both think about this, is the void in the sports calendar. If you move the draft up a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. put it the week after the Masters. So you go Final Four, right. then you go Masters, and then the next weekend is the draft. So you go bing, bang, bonk. Now, in those two weeks that you would have had between when the draft, you know, now, now we've moved the draft up yeah. and where the draft was, maybe what you could do is – have now that you've had all these players drafted, I know you're going to have rookie mini camps and all that. But I know OB has talked about football school, like a football school. Yeah. Like use a week and say you've got them from 7 a.m. to 4 in the afternoon, and you don't do anything on the field. You don't do anything conditioning wise. It is just meetings, and however you you know you divide up your meetings, you go through your playbook, you do all that kind of stuff. You spend a full Monday through Friday, you get a full week, and it's just football school, and it's learning. It for for rookies one day it might be learning where everything is. You know I know they do that through rookie mini camp. Like I get all yeah. that, but I think your rookie mini camp becomes more effective if guys know what the know what the heck they're doing. I think your OTAs are more effective if you know what you're doing. I think just a week, and I know people will say, well, wait a second, it's just a week. I when I went to uh, get my master's, that's what we did. We spent an entire week on one class. My first year, we did auditing. We did auditing in one week, and you think about it. We went from we went from nine. I'm sorry, eight to five. All right, so when you're you fully did that, immersed. yeah, you're fully immersed for an entire but week. But I forget everything by next Tuesday. That, why not? But if you think about a forty hour class. Uh, or a, a class for a semester, it's the same amount of hours. I see. You're just doing it in a concentrated time. So you can get some things done in a week. Give the coaches, give them individual meetings, give them this, but give them parameters no earlier than seven, no later than four, and you're just hammering through the playbook. You're hammering through the playbook. Yeah. Nothing physical, nothing on the field, none of the weight room stuff. I mean, if they want to, that's fine, but just have that one week where it's just football school and you're coming to learn for one full week, your entire program. And I think that would, he- that would help. That would start to help. Move the draft earlier, give them that football week, and then the following week, then you can go to your rookie mini camp, then start your OTAs after that. But I think that would be very, very helpful. All right, we're going to talk about not calendar setup, but what about training camp? It was announced last week at the NFL meetings. Training camp will definitely be here in Houston for the Texans. Johnny's got a stat. When these five players play together, it's good. But they don't get to do it enough. Who are they? We'll tell you. It's Texans Radio. Hanging out in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Okay, let's get into this. 
We mentioned a little bit about the NFL calendar, how some coaches wanted some things changed and adjusted and whatever. Training camp is training camp. Late July, it starts. And it always starts two weeks before your first preseason game. We don't have the preseason schedule yet. That's about a week or two out. I get a lot of questions on when is the schedule coming out. I was just at the NFL meetings last week in Phoenix, and let me tell you something. They don't even know. They know (laughs) that it requires a lot of work, and it'll be before the draft. And there was actually some talk. Ooh, should I let this out of the bag? There was actually some talk. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. About do we – I don't think they're going to do this, and they didn't say they were going to do this, but they talked about the possibility of holding off on the schedule announcement until after the draft. Not this year, but in coming years. And having that big day, because I think that's what everybody wants, right? They want the big announcement. That the schedule release. In 14 yeah. days, you know, so you can have countdown to uh, schedule release. So ooh. you have – but there's – here's my thought. First of all, there's no way you're going to prevent it from being leaked out. There's no way. It's coming out. Well, if the you've clubs, got it done. The, the clubs need it, too. They need to book hotels. You yeah, know that's, this? that's the toughest part. I can't even imagine what Doug West has gone through over the years. Oh, my gosh. Trying to get us hotels. I mean, it's – I mean, I know it sounds. Hey, where we? I mean, we get all excited. Like, hey, where are we staying when we go to such and such? Place? Like, yeah. we we love it for that. Yeah. For the that, fans reason. don't really care unless they want to meet the team at the hotel when they yeah. get off the buses. And I get that. But here's the oh problem: my gosh. you are booking so many rooms in the hotel. It's not just that; it's all the banquet room space they need. Yep. Not that they're having a banquet, but they need to set up a dining hall. They need to set up breakdown meeting rooms, a big meeting room. They need all of that, so they use a large amount of space and rooms. And these hotels get booked. You know, you've booked a wedding, many of you. Some of you have booked a couple of them, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Where you need a lot of rooms, and you need a year and a half to do this at a lot of hotels. Well, they get nine months, seven months, five months in some cases, less preseason games. So it's difficult to find hotels, and they got to get the schedule as soon as they possibly can. And believe me, there are a lot of moving parts here. This building right here, NRG Stadium. For instance, the Rolling Stones, right? They just announced that they're postponing the big tour. Did you hear this? No. Yeah, Mick Jagger is going in for medical treatment, oh, and no. they're postponing the tour. I did so not hear this. they were going to have a concert here draft weekend. It was affecting some stuff about the draft party, but mm-hmm. it won't affect the draft party after all. And that was a big factor. Now, if you have a concert in your stadium or whatever, it's unavailable, so they got to take all that into consideration. Anyway. It is what it is. Schedule will be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks? I would say by three weeks from today, the schedule's definitely out. That's draft week. I think it's coming out in two and a half weeks. They did not tell me this. This is my guess. That's usually when it's yeah. been. I mean, we try. We listen, we know all the opponents. We know where we're going. We just don't know when, and that obviously uh, becomes There's a factor. something about cause... the when, Johnny. I know. We know all the opponents right now, but if you know Monday Night Football, you'll right. be in Kansas City, right. October. Whatever. You know, those – Things are exciting when you see them on paper like that. I was actually thinking digital. about this the other day uh, over the weekend. I was I was thinking about as I was driving. I don't know why it hit me. It was like Monday night game in Kansas City week two. I don't know why it hit me. I was like, whoa, Mahomes Watson. That's got to be a game you want to put on prime time. Of course I almost it guarantee is. you that game in Kansas City is going to be prime time. I would say based on the fact that you had the Titans and the Texans on Monday night football last year. Mm-hmm. Any AFC South game is fair game for primetime. Yeah. I will virtually guarantee that one of the Texans-Colts games will be in primetime somewhere. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Virtual guarantee. Yes. That, I, I mean, Watson-Mahomes is a definite primetime game. Well, if you think about this, I don't know, am I right on this? In 2014, 
Just thinking since OB got in a bit. Well, 2013, right? 2013, Sunday night game at yeah. home. Yeah. Okay, I think all at home games. Yeah, the Colts. 2013 yeah. was Sunday night. 2014 was Thursday night. 2015 was Thursday night. 2016 was Sunday night. 2017, though, 2017 2018 were the only ones that we played that were during the day. Those were day, those were they day were games. They were both day games. They were both day games. But 2019, put it back on Wait, prime 2016. Time. Yeah, Sunday night. That was yeah, the comeback. Sunday. Brock Osweiler. That was the comeback mm-hmm. to Fedorowicz, yep. which I still am trying to figure out how we won that game. Um, but, uh, th- yes, absolutely. You can pick any of the AFC South matchups, and I got a feeling they, they can be prime time. But Chiefs-Texans, depending on where they put it in the schedule with everything else, but I would think Mahomes-Watson. Yeah. Come on now, no that's, that's going to be prime time. What about AFC that's West? Gonna... Chargers out there? No, they won't no. put that building on, no, they, put, on, on a prime time stage. They put it on Saturday night. Remember, they hit it on Saturday night, the day before we played the Eagles. Oh, that was the did. Ravens. That's right. But that was a Saturday night game, so they put that. It Wait, was... wasn't that the Titans? Were no. the Titans playing that night somewhere? Uh, the oh, Titans no, they... played the Redskins. It was oh, Titans right. Redskins early, and then it was Ravens Chargers. In that's a right. Big game. Later, that's right. That was a huge game. But you're right; they won't put that. They won't put it on in prime time. Now, if it's late in the year, kind of similar to that. If New it's Orleans, late in the year, possibly. Yeah, I would think so. At the dome, prime time. Ooh, heck yeah, I would think so. Ooh. I could see that being a Monday night game. I could see Chiefs Texans being Sunday night. I could see a Colts Texans game being a Sunday night. I could see Saints. Texans, for some reason, Monday night hits me. Patriots, now Patriots will get the full allotment, so you wonder where it's going to be. Yeah. Right? They'll play the Chiefs again because they both finished first. And they play the Browns. Now, they're also starting off on Sunday night. That was one of the things that came out of the owners' meetings is that the Thursday night game is not the Super Bowl champ this year. Yep. It's going to be Packers-Bears. Because it's the 100th year. Right. And then Sunday night is going to be the Patriots, but... You don't know who the Patriots are going to play. Yeah, There's been a lot, lot of rumors about the Browns. The Patriots and Browns Sunday Night Football? To kick off the season. So Vegas had the Browns at nine wins. I saw this. Texas this is the easiest half. under in the history of unders. <laughs> yeah, but did you know that Odell I'm Beckham showed up today? I'm going Sean Gamble cast on you right now. <laughs> I am going under on this all the way. So where hell is freezing over, I'm, too. I'm pushing all the chips to the center of the table. Browns not nine wins. I I tend to agree. That's with a that. tough. That's a tougher division than you think. The Bengals are still going to give you a game, okay? The Steelers are the Steelers. Yeah. And the Ravens are pretty darn good. Yeah. I and think, when the Browns had a chance to beat the Ravens late, they couldn't do it. Now everything's different year to year. I get it. I think the Ravens, and obviously Texas will see the Ravens. The Ravens will go as Lamar throws. If Lamar's uh, throwing accuracy improves. He continues to improve. He gets more comfortable in that position. Then I think the Ravens are going to be a really tough out. But they've lost Terrell Suggs. They lost yeah. to Darius Smith. Um, they got defensive questions. Yeah. Now and they lost Eric Weddle in the back end. So they've they've lost C.J. Mosley. So defensively, they may not be what they've been in the past. Although they still have got holdovers. The guys you haven't heard of, but I remember seeing them in Monday Night. And Awanasor, uh, number 48, and Matt Judon. They've still got some players that maybe not a lot of people know, but, but they're, good. they're still going to be pretty salty at some point. Texans will be at the Ravens. Primetime or no? No, I don't think that one's primetime. No. I don't know. Although, I will. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. I could see that being a later season game that gets flexed. They kind of oh. check out Lamar. Could Lamar. be. But that could be one of those late season Saturday games. <laughs> I, I could see that. 
You know, I where it's prime time, but not like the Texans play the Jets in an afternoon game. I it could was see the Jets. That. I know. I could see that game with, uh, you know, getting Lamar Jackson and Sean Watson. They rematched from 2016, which yep. was one heck of a game. I mean, that, that game in 2016, those two, wow. They went at it that night. And I think Lamar statistically was the winner in that game. I think he came out of there with more of the hype, if you will, uh, because he ended up winning the Heisman Trophy that year. But Sean ended up getting the win, and it was a big win for that team going to win a championship that year. All right, so camp will be at home. Yes. No Greenbrier. How do you feel about that? Mixed feelings, Johnny. To be, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Yep. I love being home, want to be with the family. Now, I, I did yep. bring my family up for a bit yep, me to the too. Greenbrier. I loved the Greenbrier. Let's just be clear, though. We didn't stay on the property of the Greenbrier, which right. is outstanding. But we were staying at different houses, VRBO-type stuff, and it was great. I rented a bike, borrowed it, didn't pay anything, thank you. Really nice guy, loaned me his bike. I got to say, Jeff Campbell, he's the statistician for the Mountaineer Radio Network, and he really helped us out with a lot of things, and he helped me out with a bike. Got me a bike from a friend of his, and I was Mr. Green Bay Packer, riding to training camp every day. It was great. There was just something about it. The weather was great, obviously. I loved being up there when we were up there. Now, for the football team, for those who aren't clear, they have to bring so much gear up there to hold yeah. two weeks of practice that it's kind of not worth it in a way. I mean, it's you right. know, you're talking semi trucks full of. Uh, they don't have a full weight room up there. They have some weights, right? But it's not like I got a few barbells over there. Knock yourselves out, guys. <laughs> I mean, no, this is an NFL team. You have to have a, a complete routine, workout routine, and all the equipment necessary, the training room. You bring so much gear up there for that, all the uniform stuff. Yeah, you're paying for rooms at the Greenbrier. They practice in that facility. We've talked about it many times, and I know you feel the same way, or do you? We'll find that out next and also get into Johnny's stat. When these five players play together, the Texans are really successful, but they haven't done it enough. What needs to happen? What is the record with the Fab Five? I'll just coin it that right now. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Okay, we were talking about no training camp at the Greenbrier. We'll get into Johnny's stat about these five players who play together and the record that the Texans have when they play. I'll explain in just a few moments here. But, Johnny, what do you think of no training camp at the Greenbrier? I mentioned how I felt, and I know you feel similarly. I mean, I think there are a couple of things. I mean, being up there, we had that great perch that we could watch practice from, you know, those bleachers that would be behind that you could – you had the greatest view in the world from, yeah, but you could also. We were actually sitting. Yeah, and <laughs> y- y- yeah, I mean, it was it was sitting is is huge. That I, that I will miss. My kids, when I told them that we weren't going back, they were distraught. They loved it because this last year we stayed in a VRBO that was overlooking the mountains. We saw bears. I mean, we just saw wildlife. I mean, it was such a cool experience. And also the players, too. I, I I was thinking about this the other day because it was a little bit hot here. Now, obviously, it's gotten cold, but it was hot. And I remember for some reason it hit me like, oh, man, training camp's back in Houston. These players are not going to want to do one interview after practice. Yep. They will be oh, drenched. for us. That said, there's something about just being here. There's something about just when we have that first training camp practice and the, the sun sweat. is just – the sun is just coming up over the stadium, and you and I are starting radio, and it's our perch, our home. I think that that's when it'll that's when it'll really kick in. Like, all right, we're back home. This is cool. This is like this is our spot because we've only done a couple of those radio trading camp radio shows over the last couple of years, and I I, I miss that. I I missed that part 
in particular about training camp. And I love doing the radio. I mean, but we had such a great view where we were, and the weather was so great. I mean, it was how could you how could you not love it? But like you said, we had to pack for ourselves. We packed our stuff. You know, look, our 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 guys in our department, you know, Suds and Jay and and Mark. I mean, those guys have to pack all the gear and make sure they got the right gear and trying to figure out like what they could what they could edit and where they could edit and all that kind of stuff. They just walk right up to their spot and they do it here and the work becomes much more efficient, much more effective. We just get to sweat a little bit more. And the fans get to see it. I think that's important too to create even more you know, more buzz about this team. We could create it from the green bar, but when you haven't seen it as a fan, you're you know, you're chomping at the bit to see it, but when you watch a preseason game, you only see the guys for you know a quarter, if that. Right, you get four or five thousand people here, whatever, which yeah. is a lot of people to jam into the Houston Methodist Training Center. But what you're getting is word of mouth from them yeah. to their friends and social media sharing, and that that contributes yeah, to absolutely. the buzz factor. And then you do get, hey, I saw this running back who had a really nice run, and who's he? You know, and then right. you get a lot of questions like that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what else I missed about it, not being here was. I swear, the first four or five days of camp, I'd lose like five pounds. Oh, that was great. Just standing there, lose weight. Like, yep. like man, I'm getting thin here. Just Jeez. Doing, a, doing the show. Just doing a radio show. This is an awesome workout. Uh, but that that's part of it. That's part of it. Because there's also there's also the other side of it, which is as you, walk well. back, as you walk back over the bridge and you open the door back into the building, you get that rush of AC and you're like, oh. Yeah, and then you better put something on, otherwise you're going to die of pneumonia. (laughs) I know, that could happen. And we ate well in West Virginia. That was the thing. I mean, people don't know. There's some good good eating there. Yep. I'm not going to complain about that. Well, we promised this. Let's get into this now. These five players, when they play together, what is the record? Here are the players. You came up with this. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Jadeveon Clowney, J.J. Watt. Those five guys, what's the record when they all take the field at the same time for the Texans? Seven games. Seven. That's it. That's we- it. Sean Watson got here in 2017. So that gives you 32 games, 33 if you had a playoff game. 33 games they've only played together, all together, seven times. As you called them, the Fab Five, six and one. Six and one is the record when those five play together. Dominating wins at times. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the win over Tennessee in 2017, they were all on the field. I mean, obviously, defense wasn't on the field much that day. Mm-hmm. But the only the win loss, over the Miami Dolphins, Monday Night Football. Yep, that was all That was all of them. I mean, there's, there's just a short stretch where they're all together on the field. And, I mean, like you said, two of the most dominating wins they've had, the Miami game here, the Tennessee game here, 1-17, 1-18, those happened with those five guys on the field. I, I really felt like – that Thursday night game against Miami, when when Will catches the deep pass and then DeAndre gets the 50-yarder, I remember thinking down on the sidelines, you're not going to stop us. You will not stop us. Mm-hmm. We're about ready to go into overdrive. You can forget it. And then Will goes down, and, of course, we ended up getting Demarius. It just changed things for what we wanted to do. We missed yeah. deep balls at that point. I think the only – the only real deep ball we hit was the one to DeAndre against the Jets. But when those five guys on the field together, seven times in 33 games, which is depressing to think about, but when they're on the field together, 6-1, and one, and the only loss is that, and I still, Mark, I don't know about you, I, 
I can't explain the Giants' loss. When I look at the Texans' season, they ended 11-5. and They lost to the Patriots, won the Super Bowl. They lost to the Titans, finished 9-7, and and fought for a playoff berth. They lost to the Colts, ended up uh, wild card, obviously beat us, got to the division round of playoffs, and lost to the Eagles, who got to the division round of the right. playoffs. But And then that fifth loss... The New York Giants. The Giants. Mm-hmm. On a day when Eli Manning looked like he was you know, ready to play for the next eight years. That might have been the most disappointing I, part of that whole day. Now, the most disappointing part was going 0-3. But just seeing Eli Manning go off yeah, the way he just, did. What is going on? Like watching this, I'm watching it. I remember watching it back on tape, and I'm seeing... You know, it's one of those losses where you see things happen during that game, and you're like, what is that? Yeah. And it was, it was there were just things happening, I mean, run defense-wise, where I was watching it going, we never do that. Why are we doing that? And it was a day that J.J. had three sacks, too. I mean, he saved a touchdown one time where he reached around and stripped Eli. They got the ball back, but he saved a touchdown and ended up being a field goal. So That's right. I remember that moment, too. It's I the thought, one loss. the bullet right here. It's the one loss when they've all been on the field together. The previous week, they lost to Tennessee, but Clowney didn't play. Mm-hmm. Week one, they lost to the Patriots, but Will Fuller didn't play. And then, obviously, Will gets hurt in week eight. But, you know, they get on that run, that stretch. You know, last year it was such a short amount of time that they were all together on the field. I'd, Seven and 33. I think the big factor here for the offense is, you know, everyone talks about improving the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. QT, Fuller, Hopkins. Get me those three on the line at the same time, yep. and let's just dance. Let's see what happens. You're going to score a lot of points. You're going to move the football. They're going to be really tough to stop. I don't care. You know, I don't want to say I don't care who's playing on the offensive line, but opposing defensive coordinators are really going to have a lot to think about. If you have QT, Hopkins, and Fuller, look, just look at it this way. Hopkins, we know Hop can do anything. Here, Hop can be a catch-and-run guy. He can catch all your intermediate passes. He can even be a guy that goes deep, obviously, because of his ball skills, but we saw him go deep against the Jets. We've seen Will transform himself into that complete receiver, but we know that Will's got the ultimate weapon, that being his speed deep down the field. And then you got QT that can catch anything and do everything like he did in Indianapolis both times against the Indianapolis Colts, where – you know, he had that big catch against the Dallas Cowboys as well. He made big catches for first downs, but he gives you all that slot opportunity. They cover every inch of the field. Just those three guys. They cover every inch of the field and are dangerous in every area on the field. There's not one of those situations where you go, well, yeah, you know, they're going to catch a lot of stuff underneath, but they're not going to beat us deep. We can beat you deep. We can beat you short. We can beat you in the intermediate areas. We can run combo routes together. You can combo up two of them on one side and then let Fuller work on the other side. You can combo up Fuller and QT, let Hopkins work. I think everything is at your disposal when all three are on the field. I just can't wait to see that. I wanted to get into this a little bit. The depth chart, as we see it right now. Yep. Let's just say everybody's healthy for sake of argument. Everybody's healthy. How do you feel right now pre-draft? With, obviously, Watson as your quarterback, and you have the tight ends with Thomas, Aikens, Griffin, Fells, who you just picked up in free agency. You have the running backs. You have Lamar Miller. You have Deontay Foreman, who you hope for much better things from, health and otherwise, in 2019. No Alfred Blue now. He just signed with the Jaguars. And you have Hopkins. You have Fuller. You have QT at receiver. You feel good about that. Yep. On defense, you have Dunn at nose tackle because you re-signed him. You have Reeder and Watt. At end, you have Merciless, Clowney, Cunningham, McKinney. 
inside linebackers. You have Joseph. Now, at the other corner spot, you could say, ooh, do you have Rookie or do you have, you know, do you have Bradley, Bradley Roby? Or are you doing something else there? I'm not so sure. Colvin in the slot, Reed and Tashawn Gibson at safety. You know, it looks like a pretty good football. Now, let's go O-line. Everyone's saying, well, what about the O-line, Mark? If you play today, it's a split between Khalil and Davenport. Somebody's going to get that starting job. If Khalil's healthy, I think he wins it, but maybe not. Kelamete at left guard, Nick Martin center, Zach Fulton right guard. The possibility of Rankin beating out one of those guys, maybe Kelamete at left guard. Yep. And then at right tackle, if he's healthy, and I said everybody's healthy, this is my uh, little disclaimer here, my caveat. Not really a caveat. Chantrell Henderson at right tackle. It's a pretty good-looking football team. Mm-hmm. It's a better football team than what you left with, what you exited with in 2018, because the guys are healthy. Those receivers are healthy. The line got better with the players who have a little bit more experience now, especially if Davenport's playing, but there's no guarantee on that. And this is pre-draft. So I think everyone, a lot of people out there, a lot of the noise is centered around, did you improve the team enough? I think they've definitely improved the team. Like Bill O'Brien said last week, they're better. Is it enough? We won't know for a while, but there's more help on the way in the draft. And clearly you helped yourself last year with the draft. And the players you drafted last year have to get even better for this year. Not to rain on the parade. Oh, here it comes. But the Colts got way better. I've got their depth chart right but here. To, but to your point. They, got, they added Devin Funches. They, they added Funches. They Jack added, Doyle's back healthy. They added Justin Houston. Oh, that. Now, that can go one of two ways. That can be an absolute disaster. Why would it be a disaster? Why? That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's going to be, but it could be. I think worst case is if they're going to slide one of those other guys in there that was playing last year. If he's injured, Kamiko Toure will be one of those guys. I mean, Justin Houston was a smart signing. Ballard knows him. He spent time with him in Kansas City. So he knew, yeah. he knew Justin Houston. He knew him pretty well. So that was – That can lull you to sleep sometimes. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, to Bill Parcells and Adrian Murrell. Did I have to go that far back wow, to come up with that holy reference? Smokes. That's a good one. Last year, the, the Colts had an all-time draft. I mean, those those top three picks of Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith knocked it out of the park. Knocked it completely out of the park. Now, will they be able to do that again? I mean, who's to say? The flip side of that is the Texans did not have a first or second round pick last year. They've got a first and two seconds. So they've got an opportunity, and this is my question to you because I've thought about this pretty much ad nauseum because we talked about this last year, and I remember my answer was one. I remember Drew asking me, we don't have a pick until 68 yeah. in the third round. We talked about this. You only got three through seven. How many of these players do you need to have become starters in 2018? I said, it's going to be a successful draft if you get one starter in 2018 out of this. Well, and you did. We got Justin Reed. Jordan Thomas started a lot at tight end. Mm-hmm. And you got contributors all the way up and down the, the roster from that particular that But particular the top draft. guy you drafted is a top starter for you. So you've got three picks in the top 55. You've got four in the top 86. How many starters do you need to have come two. out of those four? I need two. You need two? I, here's what I need. I want to tackle who could start. Doesn't necessarily need to start opening day, but I need him to be able to slide in there at some right. point. Okay. And I need a corner. I think I need a corner who starts. I think, and, and that's the way I think it'll it'll go. I think they'll... Maybe they'll, it's the same thing that I need. A guy who can slide in there if, like, Roby starts, but it, he turns out to be a guy just to hold the spot until the rookie really 
amazing rookie is ready. I don't know. Obviously, the rookie that they draft a tackle, maybe it's two of them. Maybe they draft a couple of rookies. Who, who's to say? I mean, the Colts drafted a guard and a tackle. And, and look, there's, there's nothing precluding the Texans from drafting an interior lineman that they think is, is better than what they have. Now, I think that one of the keys to the offensive line this year mm-hmm. ends up being Martinez Rankin. Martinez Rankin, I think, has got to start for you at one of your five spots, and I think he's got to turn into a pretty good football player. I think last year, and I know people will say, he was terrible, he was this, he's that. Listen, he was banged up all throughout rookie minicamp. He was coming off an injury at Mississippi State at the end of the year. He was banged up throughout our rookie minicamp, which led and bled into training camp. So he didn't put pads back on until Wednesday or Thursday of of the week before the Rams game. Yeah, and then jumped out and finally hit somebody. The we- that Rams game, it did was he play like in the, in the uh, Cowboy game, the preseason. Game I want to say he did. I want to say he. They did. gave him some reps in that. I think game. they gave him some reps in that. But that's all the reps that he had. Yeah, and then he's playing against New England. Yeah, thrust into the starting line or in the first unit after Chantrell Henderson goes down. They have to rearrange the deck chairs. Right. So I think Rankin, as I've said, full off season, let him have let him have the opportunity to you know training camp to go through all that work, whether it's going to be a guard or tackle for him. I, I, I think the plan all along was guard, but I think the necessity <laughs> became tackle mm-hmm. uh, very quickly with Chantrell going down. But but you're right, and that is obviously the caveat. Can Chantrell stay healthy? If Chantrell can stay healthy, the things we saw at the Greenbrier, the things we saw in preseason, man, he we got an opportunity to run the ball with that big fella. I mean, he is a big, athletic dude. We just got to be able to – to keep him on the field because if we do, I think he's got a really good opportunity at right tackle. And then if you can find the right rookie to go with you at left tackle or Khalil or Davenport become that guy at left tackle to where you could take a rookie and then that rookie doesn't have to play right away, then, man, you're, then you're moving you're moving in, in a positive direction. But I just think putting putting draft capital into the tackle position is not something the Texans – they weren't afforded that much last year because they didn't have a first or a second. And I think that Rankin was actually picked to be a guard down the road. They drafted Julione in 17, and then before that, they didn't draft a tackle. 2013 was the last time they had done that. And who were the two tackles taken in 2013? Combined NFL games between those two guys, Brennan Williams and David Quisenberry. Combined games. Mm. I still say Quezzy is – you don't – It's unfair. It's a different Quezzy. kind of label on Quezzy. I know, I know. Brennan Williams, psychologically, you might have been t- able to tell more. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, that that was – He had a lot of talent too, though. I mean, both those guys have talent. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the show. Yep. We covered we got a lot. a lot more to talk about. A lot more to talk about. We have all week. We have all year, really. <laughs> when, when does the season start? <laughs> Not soon enough. That's the answer. Tomorrow night, DP's got the show. I'll be on with Drew. We'll have some fun. I think Johnny will be on as well. And don't forget to check out HoustonTexans.com for all the videos, stories, really cool stuff on your Houston Texans. Have a great night, and go Texans.